This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveller, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Brittany Garth, what a phenomenal woman. She's an international life coach, author, TEDx speaker, and the founder of the first ever Life Coaches magazine, LCV. Her life coaching agency, Dimensioned Wellness, is dedicated to empowering women and teens worldwide. It's no wonder Cosmopolitan Magazine US named her as one of their top 50 social influencers. I had the absolute pleasure of sitting down and speaking with Brittany in New York City and learning of her journey and her story to becoming a millennial international life coach. Take a listen. Brittany. Hello there. <laughs> or should I say life coach, Brittany? <laughs> well, That's what they call me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Peers Project. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. This is, this is awesome. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, you know, you reached out to us um, when you heard about us through the Next Gen community yes. over here in the States. And the first thing that struck me about you um, when I read your email was the fact that you are a highly renowned international life coach. Um, and that's just not something that you hear of every day. <laughs> so it was then that I knew that I had to, that we had to interview you. Um, so we really appreciate you making the effort to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Great. So, before we get into your work, I want to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and that is, where did you grow up and in what way has this impacted the choices you've made in your life, in your career so far? Gotcha. So I grew up in Northern Virginia, which is in the DMV area close to Washington, D.C., and I grew up in a single-family home raised by my mom. My dad was in the military. They were divorced at the time, um, but my mother, she, I mean, she is a trailblazer all in herself. She has worked for... Um, She's worked for the president. She's worked for the United Negro College Fund. She's worked for Congress. She's done a lot of amazing things. So I think just viewing her, watching her as a young girl growing up and then becoming a woman myself, I was like, you know, I can't do anything just average. I have to get out there. I have to make some moves, make some splashes just for women in general and just for the world. So I think that really played a major impact on me as a woman and probably growing up in, you know, that whole metropolitan area of Washington, D.C., there's so much going on. Uh, there's so many different opportunities that kind of can, you know, breed a child to want to make sure that they're doing amazing things. So that played a huge part on who I am today. Yeah, wow. So give us an example of, um, you know, when you saw your mom doing something and then you thought, hang on a second, I'm just going to step out and do something. Give us maybe one of the early examples of that. I'd probably say growing up, um, my mother worked late hours. She worked crazy, crazy hours. And I always was very understanding of it because I was like, you know what, she's doing these amazing things. And of course, being a kid, you don't know too much about what her job title has, but I knew the president. I knew that much. I knew that much, you know, and she was like flying on these private jets and, you know, doing all these cool things. And I'm like, okay, seeing this, viewing this, I have to, this sets the stage for me. This sets the standard of, of some different things that I want to do. And she also was really tough on me on making sure that, you know, education is key. You know what I mean? And not letting, you know, being a minority, not letting being a woman or anything like that really stand in the way. So I definitely would say that probably is my example for yeah, sure. Yeah. For sure. Wow. So give us 
let's talk about more into your first degree that you did. That was in social work. So you said that, you know, your mother really instilled this education first kind of mentality. Why did you pick that degree? And what did that mean to you at the time? Funny you ask that because I actually went to school initially because I wanted to be a neonatal nurse. Everything was about nursing. But I think the main thing was I wanted to help people. And I took that first biology class and I was like, you know what? This is not for me. (laughs) This is not going to happen. So um, I started looking into social work and I was like, okay, this sounds like me. So um, I took all the courses. I was everything social work. I was in it. They had clubs at the time. I was really active in college. Um, And I made sure that before I graduated, which I think really, really helped me too, just in the job market, I found a job. So I wasn't like working like odd jobs. Like I took my internship super serious. I was working at a homeless shelter for women. And then from there, I moved on to working at, I believe it was like a resource center for domestic violence victims. So again, that really, again, set the stage for me wanting to empower and work with women in really any capacity. So education is key, but social work really laid the foundation for, you know, the the life coach in me that you see today. (laughs) Yes, it's definitely evident. So then, (laughs) so then you, so obviously your social work and you said you had that first job. Mm -hmm. What was that like for you? A first experience out in the working world? What did it teach you about yourself? You know, it taught me that you have to be more than compassionate when you're working with others. Um, And these are people's lives. Um, You may go home and your life may be completely different or your life could be completely the same. Um, And when you sign up to work with anyone, male, female, child, and they need your assistance, they need your help, they're looking to you for guidance, you have to really take it serious. Um, And it's it's a full-time commitment, I would say. Sometimes you go home and you're still thinking about the people that are in the shelter and their kids and the life that they had and where they're going to go, you know, once they're no longer able to stay in the shelter because it's not a forever situation. So it really taught me that, A, take this serious, doesn't matter how young I am, how old I am, take it serious and make sure that whatever it is that I'm telling the individuals in the shelter, the individuals that I was working with, they're really going to stand behind it because again, they're relying on that help. They're relying on that assistance. Mm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That is a intense life lesson. It's a great life lesson to take away. It really is. Mm. So then you progressed after a couple of years into your master's, which was a lot more specialized. (laughs) Um, Talk to us a little bit about that. And also, I guess, what was the main takeaway from that master's degree? I know that's probably hard to sum it up. Gotcha. Um, I'd probably say in the field of social work, you people really push you, at least in the job market, you have to get that secondary education. You can't just stop at the social worker, at least not here in the States. You have to have, you know, your master's and maybe even your doctorate if you want to go that uh, go further. So for me, it, it was kind of like it wasn't a choice. It was like, look, you, you need to get, you know, the, the next level if you want to take your job um, to the next level. But I specifically chose marriage and family therapy because, again, I think that's where my heart is at. Now, of course, I'm all about just women exclusively. But, you know, starting out, it was about families. It was about individuals that were going through different things, but they all, you know, were families, mom, dad, kid, things of that nature. So um, I really enjoyed it. Um, It was not that much different from social work. It was just more so saying you're working with everyone as a unit as compared to where you're just working with one individual and their one, you know, thing that they have going on. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay, I see. Really, really cool and very interesting. So talk to me a bit more about when you when you came out of that, okay. you know, obviously you, you know, would have gotten a job, you got a job. Yes. And then I know it all really changed for you. So let's go through that a bit more. <sighs> well, I say that's like my transition time. Yeah. This, is, this is where like all, all hell broke loose in my life, I would say. So as you know, I went to school and I'm getting great grades and I'm doing all the things that I think is quote unquote correct, you know, right for me to do. And I get this job and it was the job, you know, that I was, that I wanted. I didn't see life anywhere past working at this one specific job as a, a director <laughs> at this nonprofit agency, um, which really set me up for failure, I will say, because you have to see life past what you're, what's currently in front of you. So anywho, uh, got the job, I'm working the job, I buy a new house, I buy a new car. Life is great, right? 
And before I know it, I think I might have only been in the job maybe a year, two years maybe, um, the owners come in and they say, hey, we're, we're not going to be able to pay you, we're not going to be able to pay your staff, and we'll be in touch. And, you know, I, I had a decision to make at that very moment, and I made the wrong decision. My, my decision at the time was, well, Brittany, you don't know how to do anything else. Just, just stay where you're at. Things will work itself out. You know, your skills are specific for only this right here. So I stayed five months, completely lost all of my staff. Um, you know, I'm taking on like every responsibility now because it's like me and the secretary left in this building. Owners are nowhere to be found. And of course, you know, when you're working somewhere for free, that's essentially an internship. You have bills. I just bought a house, all these different things. So completely depleted my savings account, completely, I mean, just financially ruined um, because I didn't take action for my life um, and for the things I needed to do to take care of myself as an adult. And Funny story, um, there's a toll that is in between that, that job and in between my house, and the toll is only 70 cents. And I, I don't know if you guys have like the same currency exchange, but 70 cents is really, really small. And I didn't even have 70 cents at that time. Wow. Which, which should really tell you something. Completely had nothing. And I was like, oh my God, what am I gonna do? I don't even have a way to pay this toll. And I, I ran the toll. And I'm one of those sticklers, like I like to follow things by the book. So running this toll was a major just change in my life where I'm like, my God, Brittany, you don't even have change to pay the toll. And I get home and I'm in tears. You know, that was like my, my daily routine, just going home, feeling bad about myself and my life. And my lights are off in my house. Lights are off in my house. This is my dream home with the lights out. And I said, okay. You're gonna to have to make a decision right here, right now. There's no waiting for tomorrow. What are you gonna do? So I wrote out my business plan, and that is where the life coach was born. I looked into, you know, as a professional, who who can I call? I mean, really, who can you call? It's not like I could call home, call mom or dad. I'm an adult. You know, this is on me. Um, type of situation and life coaching popped up and I said you know what I can do this I can start my own business I can do this you know nothing's gonna stand in my way and from that day to now things have definitely changed for the better but it came from like completely just a 360 in my life to say the least yeah yes wow you don't <laughs> even know what to say to that that blows me away hearing about it wow yeah just the weight of that. So I think my first, so many questions come out of this. Okay. My first question is, how do you get yourself from being at your lowest point mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then in that same night writing out a plan? Like, I can't even imagine going through half of what you did and then thinking, oh, you know what? I actually have the strength in me to go up. How did you get that? I think for me, I think when you spend so much, I mean, this is like five months of going through this chaos and you're just crying and you're just feeling bad for yourself. I've always been the type of person where I'm like, okay, enough crying, you know, enough feeling bad about yourself. What's next? What's next? That's always like my mentality. And even though I didn't think of what's next for five months straight, by the time I ran that toll, the real Brittany kicked in. I'd say the, the woman kicked in and said, okay, What's next? We've, we've already done the crying thing. We've already felt bad for ourselves long enough. It's time to pick ourselves up and let's do it. What's, what's gonna happen for us? Because once you've kind of reached rock bottom, you know, you, I mean, you can't get any, any, any lower. You know what I mean? You either need to get up or I guess you could just stay there and, and, and staying in rock bottom was not an option anymore. So I think that really played a part for me. I didn't feel like I had any other choice to go any lower. And the only option I had was to get up and to do something. If I failed, I failed, but at least I tried, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So why for you was the business plan the going up? Like I think for most people, maybe yeah. going for another job or mm -hmm. something else like that. Why mm -hmm. was that for you? I think because working, I had been working for so many people. I had worked for someone else for years. Um, going back, I, I've probably started working when I was probably about 12 or maybe even younger than that because I was interning with my mom. I mean, she kept me busy. There was always work to do. So by the time I reached that level in my life, I was like, you know what? You're going to take control. You're smart. You've run other people's businesses. Why not run your own? You know, 
you have the skills. But I thought all I knew how to do was social work, not business, because I didn't go to school for business. Um, but that was not true. I, I absolutely knew how to run businesses at that time. So that's why I did what I did, because I kind of felt like, you know, you've, you've done enough of working for someone else. And there's, there's nothing wrong with working with someone else. However, if you think you can try it on your own, go for it. Yeah. Great advice. Great <laughs> advice. <laughs> so then after that time, obviously, you were like, oh, full steam ahead. Let's go for it. What were, I wouldn't like to say it, but the early challenges you went through. Oh, yes. Wow. <laughs> well, there were some challenges. There <laughs> were some challenges. Um, with any business, anything new, Things cost. Mm. Things absolutely cost. And I knew I knew that flat out. Um, good thing, I like to write things out. I'm very serious about a budget. So I knew, okay, Brittany, you basically have no money. And we need a website. We need graphics. You might need an agent. You need all these different things. So I figured out that the first thing that I have to do is what's the business plan. The second thing that I have to do is either A, figure out how much some of these things cost, or B, learn how to do them yourself. And luckily, a majority of the things I needed to just get started, I, I knew how to do, or I would take some type of free course to learn how to do it, and I was able to build up my revenue. But just that transition from, you know, dead broke to actually getting some type of revenue is tough because most people are like, forget it. I'm No, I need to make money. I have things to do. But I was like, no, we, we've been dead broke before. So, you know, one more month of this isn't going to hurt anybody. So I would definitely say that was a struggle for me big time because I wanted to see results. You know, I wanted to see it quickly. And that that's not life. Anything worth having is going to take some time. Success is not overnight. Learning how to run my own business was not overnight. So I was, I was almost kind of impatient at times, but I, I had, you know, I had this plan, I had this goal, and I knew, look, it's not going to be overnight. Just, just keep working it. Let's see what happens from there. So that was probably pretty tough for me and probably marketing. Marketing is tough with, with anything that you're launching. Lucky for me, social media was on the rise with the whole social media marketing piece. And as you know, social media is free if you know how to work it correctly. So I learned how to really, how to hone in to just, just social media. Um, because before I had like a Facebook account, I never was on. I had an Instagram account that I might have like posted a selfie and kept going. But that's where my people were. Um, a lot of my clients, a lot of the popularity that I have is from social media, you know, which is free, you know, in essence. So I learned how to work that. I definitely learned how to be patient, but those were my two biggest hurdles for sure, because it was foreign to me at the time. It was completely foreign. I can only imagine. Wow. That is <laughs> that progression. So I just want to go a little bit deeper. Yeah. So, you know, from the, you obviously had that change and that leap, but how do you go from not having 70 cents to, do you, did you sell your things? Like, how did you get there? Good question. Good question. I wrote a book called Dear Pink and I actually, there's a story, there's a story in there called Red Bottoms. And it's about uh, a pair of Christian Louboutins that I owned that I purchased when I think it was like 25 or 26. Never even wore them, just looking at them, you know. And when I reached that breaking point in my life, I'm looking at these shoes now. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I think I need to put these things on the market. I mean, I was willing to sell it all, my furniture, everything. And I set up an eBay account. I didn't even use eBay. I set up an eBay account and I'm just like taking pictures of my stuff and I'm, I'm, I'm sad, I'm crying about it, but I'm like, we can't, what am I going to do? And lucky for me, um, I was able to use those same skills that I had and I contracted with other businesses that needed my specific skills for stuff. So some stuff um, I had to sell, um, but not very long because I was like, you know what, let me reach out to other companies that are in need of coaching. Those were my first clients. Those were my first set of clients of just independently contracting with other small businesses that needed assistance. And um, it could be, you know, let's just say you have um, your staff and they need to learn different skills to work together, to be more cohesive. Um, some of them just needed to learn how to do coaching themselves for their clientele. So that was my first wave of revenue. And then, of course, I could close down that eBay account for my stuff and 
it's taken off from there. But yeah, I mean, you have to have some form of something to funnel into your business, you know? Yeah. So that, that was the very first steps that I did. But I was like, I'm not working for anybody else, but I do know I have a set of skills that I can use. I love that certainty and that self-belief. Yeah. How, is that something that you think you can develop? And if so, how? How do we do that? I definitely think that self-belief is something that we can develop. Growing up, I had the lowest self-esteem. I was so shy. Super, super wow. shy. I, I mean, can't imagine that. Sorry. <laughs> that makes me feel good to know that. I'm, I'm so serious. I was super shy. Speaking in front of anyone, you could forget it. You could forget it. I was like the smallest kid in school. And I'm, I'm an only child uh, to my mom. So, you know, you didn't have like a big brother, big sister to say, oh, come hang out with me. Come sit with me at lunch. Or I'll beat up anyone that's not nice to you, you know. So it was just me. And, and those two things kind of made me kind of like, oh, I'm just quiet. Um, so I wasn't always this bubbly, let's talk to everyone type of gal. Um, College helped with that because I saw what I needed to do. I wanted to be involved in different programs and I joined a sorority, you know, different stuff like that. That built up my self-esteem, that built up my confidence in different things like brick by brick. And by the time I started my business, it wasn't even an option. It was like, listen, you have to be your secretary. You have to be your spokesperson, walking billboard, all of that, you know. So <laughs> You're definitely a walking billboard, that's a sure. Thank you, thank you. Hence, turn on the street, everyone, if you haven't seen Brittany. <laughs> so, yeah, wow. you definitely can build it. You definitely can build it. If you want it, I think you can build it. But you have to first want to be the person that you want to be. Because being the same person that you were as a 5-year-old, a 10-year-old, a teen, and you're 20-something, you're 30-something, it's not an option. We should always look to grow upon our personal selves and, of course, our, our, our you know, career stuff as well. We can't forget the person that's inside of us. So true. So true. <laughs> so let's go a bit into your life coaching course. So obviously you started to get clients and you thought, this is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. What course did you enroll in and how long was that? did that take until you were certified? Gotcha. Um, so there is, there's, there's numerous different ways to do it. I took a course, uh, where is it? It's, it's in California. It's called the Orange County Life Coaching Institute. And um, it's a sort of, it's a ICF certified program and ICF just stands for International uh, Credit I think Foundation or something like that Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't even remember Um, but you want to make sure that you're taking some type of course that is ICF approved so I found that program after saving up my pennies Mm -hmm. you know to get it because it was at that time it was $800 and I was like oh gosh you know I'm already like in the red but I need to get certified Um, so paid for that and it was a three-day course but it was like 10 hours a day wow it was I remember it being really intense really intense and the problem that I had starting out was I had a social work brain the whole time which is a lot different technique-wise, skill-wise, um, therapy-wise. It's different, um, your approach with working with people. Um, so I had to learn to kind of tweak that a little bit. But after those three days were over, I had it down packed. I had it down Brittany packed. Brittany was going. <laughs> I was ready. I was ready for my first client. But, yeah, I, I took that course, um, got certified in it. And then, it, of course, it helped that I also had, you know, social work and I had my master's in different stuff because that's still a helping profession. So that really helped out, too. Mm. For sure. So talk to me about those first few sessions you did. Were you nervous? You'd never done this before. Oh, gosh. Um, you know, you, you're just coming out of being broke. Talk to me about that. Oh, boy. My first day in, I was super intimidated because, um, you know, here it was led by, I think, like three really seasoned um, life coaches. And it's a, and you're in a room full of, I think there was like 80 different coaches, well, aspiring coaches at the time in the room. And everyone had a different background. Some people were social work. Some people were like wellness and fitness folks. Everyone had a different background. And even though it was like 80 people present, they made sure that we did a lot of individual work. You know, we had to do a lot of role playing in front of everyone in the room. So if we were talking about social work, I would have got up there and been like, I got it. I nailed it. 
But because it was life coaching, which was, again, foreign to me, you know, I kept falling down. They kept saying, no, Brittany, no, you're, you're using your therapy brain. Turn on your life coaching skills. Um, so it was, it was intimidating at first because it, it's foreign and you kind of assume what you may think life coaching is, and it's not. And I think because life coaching is still, um, it's pretty new. It's new. It's a newer mm-hmm. industry. So you can't really Google it really quick and then say, yeah, I'm a life coach type of thing. So um, I learned like from scratch, like, okay, this is what it is. This is what you need. This is how you approach different folks. And then, of course, choosing what type of life coach I wanted to be because there's so many different titles that you, oh, yeah, you can be a wellness life coach, an empowerment life coach, a business life coach. So many different things that you can do with it. And they teach you that all at the program. So, again, that was new for me, too, figuring out exactly what type of title I wanted to have. So it was intimidating. It was tough. It was long hours. But I, I really did enjoy it. Obviously, I think I took some great things away from it. But oh, it was great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. And let's go into those great things. Okay. So, for everyone listening, <laughs> after two years, um, two years later, um, after you, you provided during that time, you provided coaching services to more than one hundred women in need annually in seven different countries, including obviously the US, UK, Africa, China, and many more. How does this even happen? How did you do that? And what mindset do you have to be in to to get there? Gotcha, gotcha. When I first got started, I had all my stuff laid out. Um, and I said, okay, let's try this thing out where I'm located. Mm-hmm. Local, mm-hmm. local life coaching. And what I found out very, very quickly from doing events, and I, I was doing kind of like beta testing. I was like, okay, if I have an event that's like a coaching event and people come, then obviously they're interested in life coaching. I had events, no one was showing up. So I was like, okay, let's put some ads out here. Let's, you know, let's have some stuff for free to see if people tag on to that. I didn't get as many hits that way. So from that, I learned, okay, Brittany, being a local life coach is not happening. Let's try some other cities. So then I tried out Atlanta um, because Atlanta is a very big, booming city for entrepreneurship, um, women of color, uh, women who are looking to go to the next level. So I said, well, if any place should work, Atlanta should be it. Tried out Atlanta. Atlanta was terrific for me. It was it was awesome for me. And again, I use that social media platform to push my stuff out there to create content and flyers and graphics that was very attractive, you know, for my niche audience to say, oh, what does she have going on? Yeah, I want to check into this. That worked for me in Atlanta. And then I said, okay, Atlanta's working. Let's see some other cities. Let's take this thing nationally. So I would put out different things. I did a tour um, my first year. Um, It was a college tour. And I said, okay, if this goes great, then obviously I'm doing good in the States. That went very well. Year two rolled around. <laughs> wow. Year two rolled around, and I think my very first international client was in Canada. And I said, okay, Canada likes me. This is great. Let's try some other locations. So, again, using social media, I was able to find different, um, just different media outlets, magazines, uh, podcasts, um, organizations, stuff like that, that either A, want to have me to come there to do an event with them, we partnered in some form or fashion, or they would feature me on the radio station or something like that in that actual city, in that country. So now what happens? You're placed in that country. Now people are hearing about you in that country. So that really assisted me with getting clientele in those different locations. And then, of course, um, the more the more articles I would be featured in, um, things like that, that helps, too, because, you know, there's um, uh, an amount of people that are viewing that and reading that and hearing that. And they're like, well, who is this person? So that really kind of set me apart in different locations, just making sure that I was looking to be featured in international publications to do international speaking engagements and not just here in where, where I reside. That helped out big time. And before I know it, you know, I was just known as the international life coach because I was very strategic about it. I wanted to make sure that I took it kind of, you know, one country at a time or one city at a time to, again, do that beta testing, exact same format that I did initially to just see what's working, what's not. Do they like this? Do they, you know, not like it type Mm -hmm. of thing? For sure. Wow. 
incredible mindset you've got there. It's just <laughs> something you do not hear. Um, so I want to go into a bit more the social media aspect. You say okay. that you just, you know, through social media, this happened, through social media, talk, you know, I have an account. Gotcha. But, you know, it clearly doesn't have <laughs> as many hits as yours does. Okay. Yours does. So how do you get there with that? Gotcha. With social media, um, and I feel like lately I'm always on social media for business purposes, <laughs> but I'm always there. Um, but it's great. Hashtags. I'm just going to start with hashtags, right? Just the other day, I was looking for someone to cut my grass. And before I went to Google, I went to Instagram first and I typed in, you know, uh, lawnmower service and I put in my city and state, right? And all these different businesses pop up. So if you look at it like that, okay, whatever it is, whatever industry you're in, whatever it is that you're doing, if you create a hashtag that's basic that your potential clients are looking for, you will pop up. But the key is to make sure that you're consistent because there's 50 other people doing the exact same thing. So if I post three times a day, right, during the time zone where I want that particular person to see it, then I am going to pop up because the time zone here in the States compared to the time zone in China is different. But if I want to be present in China, I'm going to put China Life Coach, you see. So when they are looking for something they're going to see my stuff. And then what I do from there, just with the use of hashtags, you got to make sure that your visual aid stuff is creative. It's attractive. Just slapping up a selfie up there is not going to do it. They want to see that, you know, A, it looks professional. If you're selling a professional service, maybe bright colors, something that women like, because my audience is women. So I know what I want to see, right? So I create different, you know, content program services but more importantly, the visual part that's going to make someone say, oh, let me click on her stuff. Let me see what this is all about. That really helped a lot. Um, branding colors. I'm all about pink. Yes. <laughs> pink, pink. Pink, pink, pink. But, you know, most people are like, oh, pink is so girly. But I work with women only, right? So that helped. That really, really helped big time. Hashtags, branding, consistency, whatever is going on and changing social media wise, you got to make sure that you're up on top of it so that as uh, you know, social media is changing and as your target audience is changing and growing, you too, your business as well is growing along with that. So that really, really helped out big time. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> awesome. I love this advice. Thank you. Learning so much. Let's talk a bit about China. I personally have done a bit of a stint there. Mm-hmm. Um, done some Mandarin. And it is a very different culture. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Very different. So I'm, I'm so curious to hear how you manage to just get in. Gotcha. So China was a lot more difficult than some of the other locations. I have something called uh, the DW Life Coach Network, which is a network for life coaches globally. So it doesn't matter what country you're in, what city you're in, you can join the network. And it's free, which of course is very attractive to life coaches because again, there's not that many networks or associations out there for life coaching. So once I started that, I was able to uh, be involved and be more connected with other folks in other countries. And China was one of them. I had a large group of, I want to say at the time, maybe like six coaches that just joined out of nowhere um, from China. And they were like, you know, hey, we were looking for, you know, something to get involved with for life coaching. And we came across your stuff. The use of those hashtags. Yes. <laughs> and once they joined, we networked. We connected with each other. Um, and they were having different events over there. And because I couldn't get to China at the time, I did a lot of webinars for them. So they would launch it in their specific location um, where their folks could see me. They could hear me. They would market me in their specific area. But I'm here. I'm here in the States. So from that one encounter that we had, just that one event starting off, I was able to get one client. Then from the one client, I set up a referral program where I said, well, if you like my services, if you enjoy you know, what it is that we talked about, because uh, I was working with them with launching a business, they wanted to launch it over here. So if you're in China and you want to launch something in the States, obviously you want to hire someone in the States, you know. So they enjoyed my services because I take it really, really serious because um, it's client-centered type stuff. Um, they referred one person and then from there, wow. Refer one client after another after wow. another. What is it that you taught this woman or it would have been a woman, yeah. Woman. 
Um, she wanted to start a small business uh, for handbags. Um, so she had like the leather goods there in China, which of course was a lot cheaper in China than it is over here, but she wanted to sell it here. Whatever was the trend or the style there in China was not as popular there as it would be over here. So her selling it here and having it for the lower price in China, she was going to make a killing if she was able to get it placed over here. So what I taught her, of course, was first starting off with social media because how are they going to be able to find you if you're not present, especially for the states? Because that's that's what's popular to us. That's how we're able to see what's going on. Taught her about ad placement. Ads are, are really, really big. Um, and then also taught her about making sure that she's consistent and that she's creating things that's attractive. Because it's, it's one thing to just say, hey, buy my stuff. That doesn't work. You know, you have to say, this is why you need, you know, my stuff type of thing. Um, so we worked on that with just her verbiage. Um, that was a very big thing for her because, again, because the culture is different. What you may say over there compared to what you want to say over here is different. So I taught her about that, just the different wording that you want to have for your ads, the different wording that you want to have uh, here, and packaging. Packaging is really, really important. Um, I taught her also about making sure that she had some type of ambassador. Having an ambassador um, for whatever product that you have, definitely if you have a product, is super, super important um, because your ambassador is kind of like your face because you can't always be the ambassador, the secretary, the walking billboard. You want to have someone that has a pretty good social media presence or it's just out there and they kind of are reflective of your product. So taught her about that. She was able to find her an ambassador. She was able to get some of her handbags uh, in a small boutique, I think somewhere in some city. I don't even remember. I think Houston. Mm. I think it was Houston. And it worked out for her. Wow. That's a phenomenal story. I love hearing stuff like that. Me um, too. I think my next, my next question would be, what is your preparation process for when you coach someone? Or, you know, you said that you obviously you clearly take it very seriously and you clearly are offering a very high value um, because people, the referrals. So what do you do? What's your process like? So uh, once someone reaches out to us and they just show the interest, you have to set up something called a discovery session. So with the discovery session, it's basically where they get to discover who I am and what we offer. But I, too, am able to ask prompting questions to figure out how will I even be able to assist this person? Because not every client, not every referral is a good fit for me. And I tell people flat out up front. Um, so they tell me about what it is that they want to do. Um, everything is goal oriented. So I'm asking them, okay, what is your goal? What are you doing now? What's not working? Okay, that's your answer. Now let me tell you what it is that I can do, what the packages are that we offer, what I know I'll be able to do based upon whatever it is that you want to do. And then we take it from there. Um, we always have something called, um, we call it a weekly plan, which is really, really helpful for me and the client where they're able to see what we're going to discuss each session, kind of like a blueprint so that they're not lost or like, oh God, I don't know what I'm going to talk about on Tuesday. You know, they know. We're going to have it laid out for you so they get a copy, I get a copy, and every week, every session that they have time with me, we're able to go flat out to the weekly plan. And of course, we're going to add stuff along the way. There's always homework um, because it's one thing to teach someone something, but homework makes sure that you know they know how to do it independently. You know, that independent coursework is key. So I think that probably is what makes people keep coming back because I don't have like one template where we're just working off of that for everyone. It's person-centered. It's based upon what you said you want to do and based upon what you said didn't work type of thing so productive <laughs> it's so productive okay so let's go into a bit more about how you your actual team so how you make this work for yourself so obviously you were initially a one man show and one woman show I should say <laughs> and what how did that progression happen how did you get people on board and what uh, currently does your team look like 
Gotcha. So starting off as a one woman show <laughs> was tough. <laughs> it was tough, but it taught me what I wanted those positions to look like. You know, if I was the billboard and if I was the secretary and all these other positions, it let me know that once I start hiring somebody, I want them to do it like this and or better. Um, so the more specific I was with the job description and training different individuals, we never had a problem. So um, I hired one person at a time. I think when you go out and you try to hire like 10 folks, it's hard to manage because, you're, again, you're still just a one-woman show trying to micromanage everyone. So I hired one intern, um, and it didn't work out, and I learned something from that. She was still currently enrolled in college, and I think she was like a freshman in college. And, you know, sometimes freshman in college, you got other things going on. I said, okay, let's go a little bit older. And I think I might have went through like five different interns, great young women. However, their commitment to my brand was not equally yoked with mine. So put another ad out there, put it out there again. I was like, okay, Please send me someone a little bit older. And I found this one young lady. She's still with me. Her name was Kanisha McIntosh. I just, I adore her. And her vision, I made sure that I asked her first before I told her my vision, what's your vision? And we worked from there because everyone should have a goal. Their goal is not to work with you for the rest of their lives. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they're not here to work forever. So I made sure that whatever her goals were, whatever her dreams are, that I'm also able to pour into her as well. So I was able to take off some of those positions, move it on to her. Um, Then from there, I was um, able to hire someone to kind of do the emailing because that was taking a lot of my time. Um, And that person works wirelessly. So I could be wherever and they could just be at their house doing it, which was key because when it's a small business, sometimes you don't always need someone to be sitting at a desk working at everything. They can kind of just get to it as it it comes to them. So that worked. And then we were a two, then we were three, and now we're up to like one, two, three, five. We're up to five. Um, But as of last week, because we're launching a magazine January 1st, we've hired six more people, but they're writers for the magazine. But with that, the people that were working with me the longest, they now will be able to train them. They now will be able to, you know, make sure that things are good. So we're just kind of repeating the process that we did initially. Um, But I think with creating a team, you want to make sure that you're not just focusing on your goal Mm -hmm. and what you want. You have to be able to pour into your folks. So I'm really, really big about that. Every Friday we have our, 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 like our one-on-one time. And then we have our group time where we'll talk about, you know, the agenda at hand. And then we also talk about, okay, what's, what's going on with you? What can I do to assist you with what you have going on? And I think that's probably what makes people stay with me as long as they do. And they work as hard as they do. Yeah. Can completely see that. I think your passion for people comes through to the people who you employ. And it's amazing to hear and to see because I think, you know, as our peers listening out there and you know, I'm a 23 year old and when you're looking to see who your mentor is yeah. going to be and who you're going to work for, mm-hmm. I think it's, it is really important to look at the actual person instead of the, perhaps the business or the industry. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. I, I really, yeah, I really can see that through your work, and it's oh, amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Um, great. So we're coming up on a on our time. It's just we've got so much to talk about. <laughs> so I could chat to you forever. I know. Um, but I do want to go a bit more into your book, and I really feel like that sums up your journey in yeah. life. And. What I loved most about it was that it's really a childhood dream come true. You started it when you were 16 Mm -hmm. and now, you know, it's just flourished into something amazing. So talk to us a bit about that writing process and how it got to where it is. Gotcha. So as you mentioned before, I started writing this book at 16 and I was your average 16 year old, you know, just hating mom and dad and I don't like school, you know, all this crazy stuff as a teen. And I kind of found solace in writing, you know, writing my thoughts down and all this different crazy stuff. But I never was consistent. I, you know, I'd write down something, move on to the next thing. And um, by the time I became an adult and just, again, learning about business and stuff like that, I said, I need to have something out there more than just from talking all the time. And I said, you know what? I started writing a book years ago. You know, I should pick that book back up. And I picked up all these different journals that I had as a kid. A- another crazy thing about me, I don't throw 
throw away journals. I don't throw away cards. I hold on to them. So I found just a few, you know, journal entries that I had in a journal from years ago. And I said, you know what, we're going to start from here. And I started writing that book. And I think it took me like maybe like a year to just finish it and close it out. And I covered really from like 16 year old and, and the different things that I went through because people assume, oh, your mom had these great jobs and this is how it was. But there were some tough times, some tough lessons um, that I learned that really shaped who I am today. And then of course, I added in that journey of entrepreneurship. I added in that part of, of relationships. It's really an ode to, to, to women. Um, because women need to know that it's okay to fail at life, career, health, relationships. You know, we're always talking about relationships. And I put that all in there. Um, every chapter kind of uh, opens up with like a journal entry. And that's why it's called Dear Pink. And pink, pink meaning dear woman. Dear women, I'm talking to you. I'm sharing a life story that is probably familiar to you. You know, everyone has a crazy story about something. So I share the craziness, and then I always make sure that I'm closing it out with actually the way that we can do to, to rectify it, to correct it, to move on past it. So I really enjoyed writing that book big time because it was, it was like therapy for me because there were so many different things I didn't even know that I needed to put out there. You know, always sharing your story and sharing different stories Struggles, your testimony on stuff is so therapeutic. Keeping it bottled in, I feel like it's almost pointless because keeping your testimony, especially if you've made it through, you've overcome something, it can help someone else. Why not write it down, share it, voice it on a podcast? You know, so that you can help someone in some form or fashion. So that's what that book was all about. But it was it was it was tough to get it done in a year, but that was the goal, you know. So night after night, I was like kicking out, you know, chapters to make sure that it was it was done on time. Wow, so um, consistent, driven, ambitious, everything about you, just <laughs> your personality just jumps off the pages, and <laughs> in person, it's amazing. Um, so I I do feel so privileged to have this opportunity. I feel privileged to be here too. Uh, <laughs> So coming to the close of our of our um, episode here, our interview here, I think I just want to take a moment to thank you for all of the incredible work you're doing in the world. You know, I know you did some time in Australia as well. You're helping out some clients there. And, and it's just phenomenal to know that there, you know, that there are people like you. And I just, yeah, you. I mean, you were named one of the, you know, I think it was the top 50 social influencers by Cosmopolitan, which is, of course you were. It's a testimony to who you that, are. Now, that was big. I think I <laughs> cried for like yeah. 24 hours when I got that one. <laughs> that, that is massive. And it's, it's, you know, it's so well-deserved. Um, so, yes, I just I want to thank you for that. It's an honour. Thank you. Um, so my, that brings me to my second last question, and that is... How does it feel to do the work that you're doing every day, to be a leader in your field, you know, as an entrepreneur who's really paving the way for millennials and for women? How does that feel? I, you know, I think it feels really great. It, I think it feels really great. I don't even look at it like, you're a leader, Brittany. I, I think I more so look at it like, this is your calling. This is what you were called to do. I think waking up and having an actual purpose is a gift because I spent so many years where I was just working at waking up, doing what I thought I needed to do. And there's a big difference between doing what you need to do or what you think you need to do compared to waking up and doing your passion and working on your purpose. So for me, it just feels natural. I mean, there are tough days, of course, like anyone, but because it's my passion, because it's my purpose project, this business that I have, it's a, it's a real blessing. I just feel like, you know, what's next? That's always on my mind. What's next? What else do we need to knock out? What else do we need to do? But I, I really, really enjoy it. I feel like um, I've been able to meet so many other women that are just doing, you know, huge things. And I just hope to, you know, to continue to make my way up there as well to lead, you know, I guess lead for others too, especially for millennials. You know, there's so many negative things out there for us. And they look at millennials like, oh, you're lazy. And, you know, and it's just not true we are so capable of phenomenal things so I'm glad that I am I guess recognized as someone that's doing great things for millennials so it, it feels really really good so good to hear <laughs> so good to hear and you should you definitely should 
Wow. Well, this has been, you know, incredibly insightful and thought provoking as I thought it would be. So I just want to finish um, with one last question, which is how we finish all of our interviews here at the Peers Project. And that is, what, what do you think is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? Ooh, good question. Anything about passion, I love to ask. Um, Value-wise, I feel like there's no amount of money that you could put on it. Um, Waking up, like I mentioned before, and just knowing what you have to do. Because I think, at least for me, if I just woke up and I'm just like aimlessly walking through life, you know, that's such a waste of time. You know, so having that purpose and having that passion, it leads you, it directs you because you really don't have time to, oh, let me do this over here. Oh, let me just go to sleep because I just feel like it. Let me watch TV all night long because there's a path. You're trying to walk on it. You're trying to keep making sure that you walk on it because it's your passion. It's your purpose. It's your responsibility. No one else is going to help you to uncover your passion and to actually see your passion in real life. You know, it's up to you. So if you want to live a passionate life and a life with purpose, you have to make sure you're putting in the work. Um, so I would say it's invaluable. I there's, there's no dollar amount I could put on there. But once you have it, it really is up to you to keep working at it, to keep doing something with it, because it's, it's a gift. It's a real life gift to A, make money doing something that you enjoy, and to B, to do something that's going to impact someone else in some form of fashion. No matter what your purpose is, it's always going to impact someone else in some form of fashion. So, yeah. Wow. That's just a fantastic end to our conversation today. Um, Yes, yay, Brittany. It's been amazing. (laughs) So where can people learn more about you and your work? Gotcha. Um, A few different places. I've been talking about social media all day, (laughs) y'all. So you can follow me on Instagram at Dimensioned Wellness. I'll spell it. It's D-I-M-E-N-S-I-O-N-E-D. Then wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S. Or again, on Instagram uh, at Life Coach Brittany, which is what they call me. <laughs> and Brittany is just B R I T T A N Y. Um, we're on Facebook, Dimension Wellness. Um, I'm not that active on Twitter. I really need to get active on there. Um, but I believe my name is just Life Coach Britt. Um, LinkedIn, you can find us at Dimension Wellness. Um, we have a YouTube page. We have um, a YouTube show called Dear Pink, which is the name of the book. Um, and I kind of show you some behind the scenes stuff on stuff that I have going on with the business, um, in addition to empowerment um, and empowerful, impactful information for women. Um, and that's again, Dear Pink um, website is www.dimensionwellness.com. I feel like that's everything. I feel like that's me. <laughs> Many things. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, thank Coach you. Brittany. Um, and for everybody listening, we will end with that. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here to see what else we're up to visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on instagram at thepeersproject we'll have fresh real talk for you next week peers until then if you need inspiration look amongst your peers <laughs>